the Ulster Economics Podcast. The podcast that keeps you up to date with what is happening economy-wise in Northern Ireland. Telling you what you need to know, but not necessarily what you want to hear. It is better to be prepared for the economic environment we are operating in, and not the world we'd like to be in. Episode 20, The Cash Crunch. Welcome back to the Ulster Economics Podcast. After a hiatus in June and July, the combination of catching COVID-19 and a four-week holiday led to a pause in podcasting. Throughout August, we've heard lots of comparisons between today and 1976. Given the heat waves and drought that affected both years, 2022 has been the UK's driest year since and the driest in Europe for 500 years. Europe's rivers such as the Rhine have been drying up with the record drought in China causing similar problems there. The southwest of China depends on hydroelectric dams for three quarters of its electricity generation. Rolling blackouts and business closures due to lack of power have become the norm. While we've been dealing with the impact of the warm weather, it is the cost of heat, light and food for households this winter that should be on all our minds. We are, after all, currently experiencing the worst inflation since the late 1970s and the spectre of industrial action has also returned, albeit not on the scale of the 1970s. I've been working as an economist for the last 25 years. For those with long memories, they will realise that this period has included the credit crunch, global financial crisis, housing crash, eurozone debt crisis, Brexit, Covid and a war in mainland Europe. And today is the most concerned and worried I have ever been about the near-term economic outlook from the perspective of its potential impact on people. For those who weren't worried about how households would fare this winter, the Bank of England's latest economic forecast at the start of August should have acted as a wake-up call. The bank broke with convention by proactively stating that the economy is going into recession, and normally the R-word is only mentioned by central bankers after it has happened. Indeed, the governor said that the UK economy will experience five consecutive quarters of contraction and that inflation, which is currently at 10.1%, will exceed 13%. Households' incomes are therefore set to experience the biggest fall in real terms since records began. In terms of GDP, the Bank of England expects the UK to contract in both 2023 and 2024, which, if that was to come to pass, would mark the first two years that the UK has seen back-to-back economic fails since the 1960s. My view is that a recession in Northern Ireland is now unavoidable, and we could see the local economy contract by up to 2% next year, depending on what measures are introduced in an emergency budget. Earlier this month, Andrew Bailey also called out that future pricing for gas at the end of 2022 has increased to seven times what it was a year ago, and that's pushing the expected average UK energy bill to over £4,400 next spring. If we saw these gas price increases in other items, we'd be paying around £40 for a pint of beer, over £25 for a coffee, and over £100 for a packet of Marlborough Lights. Fast forward a few weeks and the Bank of England's forecasts now look extremely optimistic and out of date with the expectation for the average UK energy bill to now top £7,000 per annum and that would mean energy bills alone would swallow up almost three quarters of the state pension. This clearly highlights the scale of the crisis that is coming this winter. 
The US bank City predicted that inflation will hit a staggering 18%, and I expect food, food price inflation will reach 20%. With wages rising at a fraction of these rates, the already record squeeze on household incomes will intensify. And Northern Ireland faces perhaps an even bigger challenge, given that households here spend a higher proportion of their disposable income on energy. As does Income Tracker revealed that Northern Ireland posted the steepest fall in discretionary income, that's after tax and essential spending such as food, housing and utility bills, of all the UK regions, with an annual decline of almost one third in the second quarter of this year. And this comes whenever the Bank of England is also hiking interest rates at the fastest pace uh, since at least 1995, with more interest rate rises set to come. The impact of this on people will be significant. The recession might not be as long and deep as it was after the property crash, and unemployment won't be anything like it was in in the 1970s or 80s or even 10 years ago. This time around, though, it won't just be whether you lose your job or not. Even those who retain their jobs will be severely hit by the sharply rising cost of living. Arguably, this recession could be the most damaging in a generation in its impact on people, and this will have implications right across the economy. Business conditions are deteriorating, and this has been evident in the most recent Northern Ireland PMI survey. In consumer-sensitive sectors such as retail and hospitality, firms are facing the worst of both worlds. Their cost bases are rising dramatically, making their products and services more expensive and therefore less attractive to consumers. At the same time, their customers are seeing their disposable incomes eroded by inflation, making them less likely to spend on things that aren't essential. Those firms most reliant on discretionary consumer spending, such as restaurants, beauticians or home improvement suppliers, will be particularly vulnerable. Consumers spent big on home improvements during the pandemic, making use of the forced savings accumulated during lockdown to improve their homes. The market was therefore very hot during the pandemic, but a drought in consumer spending awaits. One silver lining might be that getting a handyman or handy person could become much easier. Households most impacted by the cost of living crisis will be looking forward to receiving the much-talked-about £400 government energy bill support. For context, that is worth four times the much-hyped high street voucher. However, while it is certainly welcome, it will not prevent a surge in fuel poverty and financial distress. Some have predicted a situation where households are forced to turn their heating off during the winter with severe implications for their health and well-being. This will clearly be more severe the harsher the weather, so we will be praying for a mild winter. Others have predicted that households will be forced to use their credit cards and get personal loans to cover essentials such as heat and food. For many, the purchase of big-ticket items such as a new car will be deferred, and important but discretionary spends such as pet insurance or home insurance may not be renewed. We will also likely see a rise in applications for mortgage repayment holidays for those who have a mortgage, whereas those in the private rented sector who don't have a mortgage clearly won't have this flexibility. In this context, there will be a sharply rising demand for food banks and other support. The scale of the crisis means that there should be large-scale planning to cope. One thing that government should be considering is communal spaces for people who can't afford to heat their own homes to go to for warmth. 
We talk about heating homes a lot. Perhaps we need to change the terminology to heating people instead. Rising costs are triggering a cash crunch across households, businesses and the public sector. We thought the era of austerity had passed, but we're in a new era of inflation-induced household austerity. And this comes on top of the COVID legacy and Brexit challenges. Undoubtedly, a new Prime Minister will unveil a package of measures, the like of which we have never seen before, to alleviate the various stresses that are now emerging. But the Bank of England is going to move in the opposite direction, with its determination to get inflation under control means that its bank rate will rise to 3% by Christmas, with markets expecting a rise to 4% by May next year. The Bank of England's bad medicine will taste horrible in 2023, but we should hopefully see its benefits in the form of lower inflation start to take effect by the time we get to 2024. Looking at the incoming economic data uh, for Northern Ireland during the month of August, what's hot and what's not? Private sector growth, according to the Northern Ireland PMI, contracted for the third month running in July, with the pace of decline accelerating to 41.9. Outside of the COVID pandemic and lockdown restrictions, the pace of contraction in output or business activity was the steepest since November 2012. The drop in demand was broad-based across all sectors. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given the cost of living crisis, retail recorded the steepest declines in sales and orders. Retail sales have plunged over the last three months, and retailers expect sales to be broadly unchanged, that is at these lower levels, in 12 months' time. Despite a marked drop in orders in recent months, manufacturing is the only sector forecasting a pickup in activity over the next 12 months. New car sales remain weak and they're impacted by the ongoing supply chain disruption. July 2022 was the worst July on record for new car sales, with the sales volumes year-to-date just two-thirds of the pre-pandemic average. There are rumblings that my electric car ordered in July 2021 could be just one or two podcasts away, though I am not loving the articles highlighting that the price of charging an electric vehicle could exceed that of petrol and diesel following the recent electricity price hike announcements. As they say with investing, timing is everything. Looking at another area of the market which of the economy which is hot, it's in the tourism sector. Northern Ireland's hoteliers continued to punch in strong sales figures in June. Room sales were up 35% year-on-year, and it was the second-best room sales for the month of June since 2019. June sales in 2022 were less than 3% below pre-pandemic levels, and June's hotel occupancy rate of 77% compared with 82% in 2019. Clearly encouraging figures, but the cost of living and cost of doing business challenges for the hotel and hospitality sector are unfortunately mounting by the day. Profitability rather than occupancy will be key. The property market in Northern Ireland remains hot. Residential property transactions were down in July year on year, but last month was still the second strongest July since 2007. And the same holds true for the period January to July, with transactions activity above the corresponding level for 2019. Meanwhile, Northern Ireland's year-on-year rise in residential property prices fell just short of double digits at 9.6% for the second quarter, making the standardised house price at 169000 which is a 14-year high. 
Northern Ireland's residential property market has had a good run as far as price growth is concerned. Since the onset of the pandemic two and a half years ago, prices are up more than 20%, which is double the rate for the previous two and a half year period. Headwinds are mounting, although it is not one-way traffic, with lack of supply of both new and second-hand stock expected to exert upward pressure on prices in 2023 and beyond. Northern Ireland's labour market uh, remains a source of positive news. Redundancies remain extremely low. The unemployment rate in the second quarter stood at 2.7%, and the number of employees on Northern Ireland's HMRC payrolls hit another record high in July and has increased for the last 11 months running. Though overall employment, including self-employment and total hours worked, remain below their pre-pandemic levels. On the wage front, median monthly wages for Northern Ireland employees in July were 4.7% higher over the year, and that's around half the prevailing rate of inflation and represents a significant pay squeeze. There's undeniable appeal to hard numbers when we're taking the temperature of the economy, but statistics are backward-looking, and particularly the labour market stats are a lagging indicator of activity. It's business insiders who are the first to know when the mercury is rising, or indeed falling, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Sam McElveen, General Manager of NI Jobs, one of Northern Ireland's leading recruitment sites. Good afternoon, Sam. Good afternoon, Richard. I suppose just in terms of just looking at the uh, hiring uh, situation in Northern Ireland, what are, what is the latest uh, figures that uh, you have? What, what we're seeing, we track the number of jobs that are advertised on our site on a monthly basis and then do the quarterly report. We're still seeing uh, an all-time high in terms of the numbers of jobs being advertised, although the rate of growth has declined. Um, that survey took us to June of this year. Um, in July and August, we have seen um, a slowdown in terms of the number of jobs being advertised. Um, and we have seen a results of a consumer survey where we asked job seekers what their feelings were and, and how they were approaching job searches, uh, that uh, an increased number of people with the cost of living um, increases uh, looking for new jobs, looking to supplement or increase their incomes. Uh, for them, the most important factors were salary, um, working from, well, uh, hybrid working and companies' hybrid working arrangements, um, and then the benefits that those companies provided. Okay, just, so just going back in terms of some of the sectors, in terms of which sectors are, are hiring the most or or indeed the, the least, what are the, what, what's sort of going on at a sector level? We have uh, 32 sectors on the site and uh, 60% of those sectors saw an increase. The top three were um, hospitality um, and we you outlined some of the challenges facing the hospitality industry. Then legal was the second sector and then uh, childcare, education and training. And I think that's probably reflective of people returning to the workplace and needing uh, more childcare um, provision. And I suppose it's one of the things that we have been seeing in, in the recruitment in- industry and the number of job vacancies. A lot of it is churn uh, as opposed to new jobs. And we've seen that particularly in the hospitality sector. And even an anecdote on, on holiday in Canada, it was pretty much every place we went to, we would just see 
we are hiring signs everywhere and it seemed to be particularly in restaurants and hospitality where there seemed to be inexperienced staff being shown the ropes and uh, that's probably one sector which we are seeing turn but there's you're maybe seeing that and then other sectors where it is just pure uh, employment growth I, I, absolutely there's different causes but um, I think one of the challenges the hospitality sector faces um, and this is from talking to people in hospitality um, the uh, hours that people work um, and there are now more uh, positions for people working nine to five people during the uh, COVID um, have got used to working nine to five working seeing their families uh, spending time with their families and that uh, is a big influence and it's more difficult to get people to work what would be antisocial longer hours, um, particularly evening work as well. And I think that um, employers need to be more flexible in their approach um, and they need to uh, look at, say, two part-time positions as opposed to one full-time position where uh, to be more accommodating to employees and give employees more flexibility in hours worked. In, in terms of some of the surveys that the, the Bank of England's regional agents uh, uh, compile, there was one for the second quarter where they're then talking about they're seeing more incident, instances of firms having one-off bonuses, uh, trying to increase their, their benefits packages, probably both in the context of cost of living crisis and also then just in terms of uh, attracting ta- talent, uh, what kind of things are, are, are you seeing from the employers? From the employers, we're seeing uh, obviously hybrid hybrid working um, and the sort of flexibility to work either part-time or full-time from home um, and then uh, increased emphasis on the benefits and the broader the benefits that are being added as well. So... Um, that's certainly coming through. I think that's reflective of what uh, employees are asking for um, and what uh, employees are obviously facing the cost of living increases are trying to supplement those areas of their salary, of their income that they can to offset the rises in energy costs. And I suppose it, it, it depends on sectors, but are you seeing that uh, given where the unemployment rate is and uh, how the labour market is performing, do you see it as almost like the employees have the upper hand uh, relative to uh, employers at the minute? In certain sectors, yes. I think there's a there's a definitely a change taking place in terms of uh, for an employer to um, attract, uh, retain and uh, develop their employees, they need to take a, 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 a more uh, flexible approach. They need to be more on the... Uh, employer side um, whereas previously um, that was much more an employer market okay sam so what about some of the other big growth areas in terms of like it's nursing healthcare and medical i think is the uh, biggest uh, employment category with uh, which is uh, hiring at the minute tell us a little bit about that i think there are large challenges for uh, the uh, the care industry um, in terms of attracting people um, and uh, it's it's a it's very difficult. Um, uh, the one of the legacies of uh, uh, tendering for for business is that businesses have tendered at lower costs than they can actually afford to pay salaries, and I think that's coming back to, to bite them. Uh, that's and then with uh, 
other sectors that we've got, the likes of the IT sectors, very, very strong as well and attracting new roles and new people all the time. And what about in terms of the hiring market? Because one of the the legacies of, of COVID has been this switch to working from home. And how is that being played out in terms of the uh, the recruitment market? Are you seeing more people from outside Northern Ireland uh, looking looking for for jobs in the local market, and vice versa? Are you seeing more people looking outside of? There's um so with 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 the working from home uh, during COVID, people work virtually from home where they could. What we're seeing now is that a switch more to hybrid working, which is a, a balance between home working and working in the office. And the the number of hours are being depend are, are being uh, tailored by uh, employers for that, and there's flexibility within that. And uh, there are some jobs, obviously, that can only be completed from the office or from uh, the the place of work. So there's less flexibility with those. Um, what we are seeing is that. Um, People are being from Northern Ireland are being attracted to work in the UK and London or, or other centres, and they're able to complete that by working hybridly, uh, with uh, a small proportion of their time spent in the main office in say London, but uh, the majority of their time spent at home. It does bring in addri- additional travel costs, but um, they uh, the benefit is is greater. So there is pressure on on the the workforce in Northern Ireland. They're being attracted by UK based jobs um, and they're also so it does give that added flexibility and and of course the kind of cost of living push factor that if you're wanting to get a uh, higher salary and inevitably in, or sorry invariably the the best opportunity to do that is to actually switch jobs and working from home and being able to work remotely opens up a whole new host of of opportunities to do that. I think one of the interesting developments in, in recent weeks in the recruitment uh, side has also been the likes of PwC, who have uh, lowered their uh, entry qualification. I think it's for some of their graduates. Where it previously was two one, now it's two two. I suppose what we're seeing now is that's a sign of uh, supply shortages, whereas. Whenever you had hundreds of applicants to sift through, setting a threshold of a, a two-one allowed you to do that. Whereas it's probably a sign of the times that they're uh, uh, they're changing in order to, due to the uh, lack of supply at the minute. I think so. I think that's um, as I say that employers need to be more flexible in their approach, and grade standard is one sign of flexibility. Uh, but also, as you say, in terms of rem- hybrid working, um, and uh, it's uh, very competitive, um, and I think that's what we need to remember that with a full em- with uh, the numbers of a people in employment at an all time high, uh, it is very competitive for companies to bring new people into their business to attract new people to attract the best talent that there is av- available, and that's competitive, and they then need to look at what they're offering and, and, and how they're attracting those people. Okay, Sam, and one, one of the uh, memes over the last few years has been the, the great resignation where people were just like handing in their notice and moving on to do different things. Do you think that trend's going to continue or is uh, the cost of living crisis calling time on that one? I think the cost of living crisis is calling time on that. I think we can see that already. Um, 
there will be fewer people taking early retirement, there will be fewer people redu- reducing their hours as they need to pay for their heat, for their um, energy and for their um, food. So looking to the months ahead for September, for pupils it's been a case of back to school. Next week, Westminster MPs will be returning to Parliament on Monday, with Liz Truss expected to emerge as top dog in the Conservative Party election against Rishi Sunak, the underdog. The winner will also replace big dog Boris Johnson as Prime Minister. In Northern Ireland, there remains no signs of an imminent return by the MLAs to Stormont. The most eagerly awaited event this in for September will be the big reveal, that is, what further cost of living support measures will the new Prime Minister and or new challenger announce. Quasi Quarteng is tipped to be the new Chancellor if Liz Truss wins, and Quasi knows that it is the bills, the bills, that are exercising the minds of the electorate. An emergency budget is expected in the coming weeks, and while the UK government will be rushing to bring the cost of energy down, the Bank of England is moving in the opposite direction. Threadneedle Street has been hiking the price of money at the fastest rate since at least the mid-1990s. Another 50 basis points interest rate hike is anticipated on Thursday the 15th of September, with bank rate expected to increase to 2.25%. That will be the seventh successive meeting that there's been a rate rise, and I expect we'll see 3% by December. So while... This year, the chatter around barbecues is centred on how much the price of their houses has risen. By next year, and indeed 2024, it is likely to be the rise in monthly mortgage payments for those people rolling off fixed rate interest rates. That will be the hot topic of conversation. The 15th of September is also the deadline for the UK to respond to EU legal action relating to the UK's failure to comply with post-Brexit trading arrangements. Liz Trust is apparently considering triggering our Article 16 proceedings against the EU. And while cost of living difficulties will take up most of the political bandwidth, we could well see and hear more about the Northern Ireland Protocol and Brexit later in September. On the data front, we get the UK CPI figures for August. Within them, underlying food price inflation is worth watching. And following August's gas price hikes, wider energy costs will be closely watched too. Vladimir Putin is likely to disrupt the supply of gas to Europe in the months ahead. We also have the Q2 Northern Ireland Index of Services, Retail Sales and Industrial Production Output figures on the 14th of September. And the timelier Northern Ireland PMI data will be closely watched, with the pace of contraction expected to remain sharp in August. Finally, with the cash crunch Continuing, we can expect more industrial action and more public sector bodies and departments to join the Mexican wave of claiming to be overspending and underfunded. Until next time, I am Richard Ramsey, and this was episode 20 of the Ulster Economic Podcast, The Cash Crunch with Sam McElveen, NI Jobs. You can stay up to date by following us on social media and the ulstereconomics.com blog.